So we are uh, continuing on in our class on worship. And last week, uh, as we're moving our way through the New Testament, uh, kind of we're, we're looking at a biblical theology of sorts through the scriptures. We've considered different themes that uh, are connected with worship in the Old Testament. And uh, for the last several weeks, we've been looking at the New and how the New Testament picks up the idea of worship and some of those other thoughts and categories from the Old Testament and fleshes those out. And particularly, we've looked at Paul last week, and that's where we will be today as well. Um, Essentially, we said that um, Paul stresses the idea of of service and sacrifice in his epistles in connection with worship. Uh, As we looked uh, at 1 Thessalonians, we looked at Philippians and Romans. Today, then, um, we want to talk about worship in the assembly. Um, And we'll be in particularly 1 Corinthians today. So if you want to turn, 1 Corinthians, uh, we'll give you a verse in a second, but in 1 Corinthians. So Paul sees worship as, uh, he sees it broadly, and that's um, how we've been addressing it, is the the wide-angled view of worship as it pertains to all of life. That worship is not merely um, a formal, rigid cultic activity that that takes place at certain times. It is that, well, sort of, but it is uh, more than that. We worship God with our whole lives. Um, The declaration of the gospel, the sacrifice of service can be done with one's entire life, Paul says. But it can also and must also be done corporately. So when we talk about a church service, right, we use that language a lot. What does that mean? What, is, what, what do people typically mean if they say, I'm going to church? What, is, what are they saying there? Going to worship the Lord. What's that? Going to hear the Lord's words. Yep. Um, going to hear the Lord's words. Going to worship the Lord. They are... Uh, if I'm going to church, it's typically associated with a location, right? A particular building, right? Um, it is a special time on Sundays. Culturally, not so much Sundays anymore. <laughs> a lot of folks, Saturday nights, those kinds of things. But there's a specific time when we go to worship. Um, but when we use that language, do we always know, do we always adequately convey what the purpose of the Christian assembly is? Um, I think we see a lot of the, what I mean is, um, I think we see a lot of misunderstanding in the purpose of uh, the Christian assembly when, like, TV evangelist, the idea of um, 
you know, playing these sermons, these worship services on our TVs that we can watch on Sunday morning instead of going to church, right? Um, there is a communal element to worship that we miss. Um, we don't miss, but culturally we see that as something that we need to have an answer for. Why? Because, right, we talk, we stress so much the importance of hearing the Word of God preached, right? I mean, that is our thing. And so, what do you say to someone who says, well, if that's, if that's the highlight of your week, right? If that's the big thing that you're pursuing is to hear the Word of God preached, why can't I do that in my own house? Why can't I just listen to the podcast from the week before? Because, man, do you know how many kids I've got wrangling those suckers, getting them all dressed and fed and brought here? And it would just be so much easier if we just crash on the couch in our PJs and listen to the website, listen to a sermon, watch it on TV or whatever. Um, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, what is the local church? Um, I recently had a conversation with a guy, well, I wasn't super recently, but he basically he said that we can't really define the local church. What's the difference between like a small group and church, right? That is it, is this something that we, it's, we can't define, we don't really know what it is, it's not really necessary. Well, no, based on what we're saying this morning, that, that um, there are a lot of different reasons. Well, one, we are commanded not to forsake the assembling of the saints. And then we have to ask, well, why is that? Is that an arbitrary command? No. Good reason what Christine was just talking about. Is that we're able to, we grow in grace and our understanding as we share in one another's lives. So, but this week in, week out, Sunday morning gathering, what's it for? Well, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul uses um, Greek words common for worship, verses 14, 24, and 25. And here he describes a situation where an unbeliever comes into the congregation where prophecy is taking place. And it says, The secrets of his heart are exposed. He falls to the ground and worships God. And this, this whole depiction is very similar to the, a lot of the things we saw in the Old Testament, this spontaneous falling to the ground, worshiping God in reverence. And so, that's in 24. He says, But if he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So, who is, who is worship for each week? That's a question that... Um, think has been wrestled with a lot. Are worship service primarily to be evangelistic? Do we gather each week to evangelize and make sure that lost people are here hearing the gospel? Is that primary? Or is primary, is it preaching to the choir? 
Hmm. Yeah, and we'd certainly be mistaken to say it's one or the other as far as what should you be doing each week. Should, should Nick, or whoever's preaching, generally Nick, say, I'm preaching with us in mind or with unbelievers in mind? Right? I don't think it has to be only one or the other, but the main emphasis is that we are gathered together as a body to strengthen one another, to worship the Lord, and unbelievers who come in should be drawn in, right? What, what in the, they're, on, they're on the outside looking in, right? They're, they're not literally on the outside looking in. They're with us, but in a spiritual sense, they're standing outside looking in through the windows, and they should be fascinated. They should be draw, drawn in through what they see. What's that? Curiosity. Yeah. What in the world? Yeah. What's what what in the why they come here every week to sing and read the Bible and hear someone talk about it for like almost an hour sometimes? Like it's crazy. Why? Right? So I, I wouldn't say that evangelism is the main task of the church in its corporate worship gathering. Rather, according to this passage, we see that God makes Himself what? Present in the Christian gathering with His people in a distinctive way through His Word and the operation of His Spirit. And so there's a crucial connection between the local gathering and the Word and Spirit of God to reveal and manifest God in His glory in distinct ways. And a byproduct of that is that unbelievers in our midst will say, God is here! God is here among you! And so, what else can we say about this gathering? This gathering is a place where God dwells. What? What does that sound like? The word starts with a T. Would you, did you say something, Mark? Temple, tabernacle, right? The church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul begins his letter to the Corinthians by addressing a number of feuds that had risen up among them. And in an effort to clear up these matters, Paul uses the analogy that the church is, first he says, a field. Uh, in chapter 3, planted and watered, and ultimately grown up by God. But this metaphor then shifts to a building. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. He says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Jesus Christ, then, is the foundation. The warning that follows this statement here in uh, 10 and following, verses 10 and following, is about how to build a structure upon this foundation of Jesus Christ that will survive the judgment. Ultimately, Paul is challenging the Corinthians to apply the Gospel publicly to themselves in corporate church life in the same way that they would in individual private life. But as we just said, it's not just a building. The church is not just a building. Uh, I mean, like, metaphorically, but it's the temple 
of God, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But I thought Jesus was the temple. Wasn't that like a whole big thing when we were in Matthew and John, right? John says the Word become flesh, became flesh and tabernacled among us. I thought Jesus was the place where God dwelt. Yeah, he's the, he's the head of the church, right? The foundation that the church in union with Jesus is the fulfillment of that temple imagery. God's special dwelling place with man on earth is now, it's not confined to some lo- uh, local structure, physical building, or some region on the globe. Rather, it is the people of God. God's dwelling place is with the people of God in union with Christ. Christ is the temple of God, the meeting place for God and man, the contact point between heaven and earth. But this is only half the picture. Jesus is not a head floating in midair. He also has a body. And God's temple is fulfilled in Christ in His body, His church. We are the temple of the Lord. But this is obscured. And it's, it's probably less so um, in churches these days. But um, I remember even as when I was a, a child, the idea of treating uh, certain buildings as holy places. Right? As a sp- special holy places. Like, um, we can sometimes we say, you know, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Now, I think what we mean by that probably is that we're together. But if I walk into this room by myself on a Thursday, am I in the house of the Lord? Well, not in the same sense. This is the place where Ephesus Church, this local body, has agreed and is able to meet weekly. But this building itself is not the temple. It's not the meeting place of God on earth. His churches, and then the local manifestations as the people gather are. There's nothing overtly, uh, overtly, there's nothing intrinsically significant about 226 Goshen Road, Rankin, Georgia, 31326 in the 300 building. If we had to, could we worship over there? Or over there? (laughs) Or somewhere over there, downstairs maybe. Not upstairs. You know, um, or across the street if we had to. Right? We can. So rather than focusing our attention on the furniture or the buildings, which, like I said, is really not as much of an emphasis in churches these days, they've kind of swung to the other side, right? Where nothing is sacred. (laughs) But... um, our focus, our goal, emphasis should be on the people who meet there in those buildings and sit in the furniture. It's an awful shame when Christian men and women are more concerned about bricks and mortar than they are about the spiritual health and life of the congregation. 
We are the people of God no matter where we are. But that does find particular expression when we gather together each week to celebrate the Gospel of Jesus Christ and experience His presence and power through His Word and Spirit. Um, for time, we won't read them, but in chapter 1, 10 through 17, chapter 3, 1 through 5, and verses 18 through 23, we read of quarrels and divisions and how they must be fought against vehemently in the church. Is the carpet more important than the peace of the body of Christ in the church? No. But we see so many churches splitting and dividing over things like carpet color or whatever. And it's sad. Thoughts there? Cool. The church gathered is not merely a physical gathering, though, an earthly gathering, but it is a heavenly one as well. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, that's Galatians, that won't do me any good here. We are raised up with Him and seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And then in 19 through 22, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you are also built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The local church gathering is an anticipation of the heavenly one. An anticipation of the heavenly Jerusalem that will one day come down out of heaven. Revelation 19, 1-4 depicts this. In the new creation, the Old Testament vision of the healing and restoration of the nations has been realized. And as is possible that should be anticipated in the local church gathering. Now, um, each local church, uh, you know, because we can sit here and say, yes, the nations, right? But we are in south, east, almost rural, not quite Georgia, like, our demographics, as it were, are probably not going to be incredibly diverse. They could be more diverse than they are, but we shouldn't expect that when I was in Minneapolis, uh, and I lived just not quite on, but almost on 11th Avenue, which is the most diverse street in America, America? country, the world. I don't remember. It's either the country or the world. And there are over a hundred languages spoken on this one street. Should Bethlehem Baptist Church, which was right next door to that, be significantly more diverse than we are? Probably. And so, um, 
as is possible, we want our local weekly gathering to reflect that which will be in the new heavens and earth. That in Revelation 5, right? Familiar passage that God uh, ransoms a people, or Jesus ransoms a people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And made them a kingdom and priests to our God. Temple language. And they shall reign on the earth. And so, we want our congregation as much as possible to anticipate that. And certainly the way we talk, the way we pray, the things we do, we want to be engaged in longing for the heavenly gathering that we will one day be a part of. And even now, right, that uh, Hebrews 11 tells us that we have a great cloud of witnesses looking on now at us. That when we gather this morning, we're not gathering merely with the people that will be here in this building, nor are we merely gathering with the people who are gathering on earth, spread throughout the world, but we will gather, gather with the saints who are in heaven with God now. Uh, In Ephesians, we just... uh, No, this is not the... Ephesians 4, sorry. In 12 through 16, we read of the uh, imagery of a body. Right? And we've talked about this, that... The church is the body of Christ. And much can be said about this body image to stress the importance of meeting together for fellowship and mutual ministry. We come to give and to receive and thus to take our part in the edification of the church, which is the continuing work of God with His people. One thing that I always try to stress to people, if I'm talking to someone that is sporadic in his or her church attendance, um, for a long time, I, I always would talk about, it's so good for you to be here. You need to be here. You need to be here. And that's good, but if that ultimately can be a very self-centered, selfish approach, right? If my primary concern with whether or not I'm attending the worship of God each and every week with the local body, if it's because of me, well, what happens if I wake up on Sunday saying, man, I just feel great today. Ugh, I don't feel like I need any help. I'm severely, sorely misled in my thinking, but if that's all that I think that there is, it's like, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I read my Bible for like 45 minutes last night. Like, I think I'm good. But turn that around. It's not just you that need to receive from other people, right? But it's those other people who have to receive from you. That if, you, if we are Christians... We have gifts that God has given us that we ought to use. And so to gather, to forsake the assembling of the saints, one of the reasons not to do that is because I have spiritual gifts God has given me that I need to use to your benefit. And vice versa. You have spiritual gifts given to you to use for mine. And so I try to always stress that to people now that if someone is sporadic in 
not coming to worship. It's, well, we are a body. I can't walk out the door without my foot. Or, I mean, I guess I can with crutches and everything, but you get the point, right? We're not, we don't leave, we don't, the, our intent, and it doesn't work, that you can just leave different body parts behind every time you go somewhere. So when we come together, for the body to function, like it does in this moment, we need everybody. And so the body imagery tells us two things. First, we are dependent upon Christ. Right? The body without the head is completely useless. But it also tells us that we are dependent on one another. That if your body is at war with itself, things don't go well. Um, I remember as a kid, always kid and even a teenager, feeling kind of weird about this idea because I would... I would be really excited about coming to church. And it was to hear preaching and singing, but it was to see you people. And I was like, is that, is that bad? Am I allowed to look forward to seeing like my friends that maybe I didn't see during the week? Or didn't see much? Is that a wrong priority? Sure, I would say that it could be, Right? If you're like, well, I go to this church because I just like the people there. (laughs) They're nice. There's probably something deeper that you need. But I don't ever want to, to come here not caring if I see you. I love to see you each and every week. Right? We gather Ephesians 4.13 until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, every joint that God has equipped us with holds us together when each part is working properly, makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. Edification is extremely important. Edification happens when Christians minister one another in word and deed, seeking to express and encourage a Christ-centered faith, hope, and love. Christians wor- Christian worship services must be intent on edification of the whole body. And so, we gather each week seeking to hear from the Word of God, to bless one another, to see sinners converted, to worship God as we grow up together into the fullness of Christ. 
And so, all of that doesn't, I don't know, imply is not the right word, but it, it says something about the principles that we should have and use and apply in worship. And that's sort of where we're, we'll be transitioning to soon. We've probably got another week. Um, it may take two to finish out some thoughts um, in the New Testament, um, strictly speaking. But then we'll, we'll look more categorically, more uh, principially at what are the principles then that we need to have and apply each and every week in worship. So um, hopefully right now we have seeds in our minds that will blossom into full-grown trees later down the road. But any thoughts, questions before we wrap up here? Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Good? Tracking? Yeah? Okay. All right, let me pray, and then um, we will uh, await the arrival of the others. Father, thanks for your word, and I pray, God, that though... um, I am weak and feeble and uh, have faltering words. And I pray that your truth would ring out in our hearts. pray that you would teach us well from your scripture, that you would help us to worship you aright. And I pray, God, now that we would take what we've just heard, this, um, these words from... 1 Corinthians, from Ephesians, to be this temple of God, the body of Christ, that we would edify one another, that we would serve one another in love, and that we would be excited to be with one another as we come to hear the Word of God preached, that we would come to worship by the Spirit. Pray for us as He preaches, that You would uphold Him, that You would strengthen Him. Give Him great boldness and zeal and love and humility. I pray, Lord, that um, the words He speaks would not be His own, but that they would be Yours. That Your Word would go forth like a hammer with fire and would break to pieces stony, hard hearts. And that You would tear out those stony, hard hearts and give hearts of flesh to the unbelieving. And those those of us, God, who are your people who are here gathered as your church. I pray that you would bless us, that you would strengthen us in our faith, that you would give us great hope in Jesus Christ, and we would see the power of the gospel in our lives, and that we would, we would have great love in our hearts for the lost because of your preached word. So as we gather here today, God, May you be glorified and meet with us as we seek to draw near to you with humble spirits. And if we come arrogantly, God, I pray that you would humble us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.